0: Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Well, I don't know if many of you have been to the United Kingdom, to England, But there's lots of old buildings there and there's lots of stately manors and lots of castles and uh, I enjoy history. And so Chris and I were there about seven, eight years ago, man, time goes quickly. And you go into some of these amazing old buildings and from the ceiling down to the floor, there's these incredible um, textile weavings. Um, What are they called? They're called the, the textiles. That's what they are. I was trying to be sophisticated. But the thing is, these textiles have got all sorts of designs and everything um, integrated into them, phenomenal um, designs, and they can take years to actually produce. And many of them are you know, eight, 900 years old, and some of them are getting a little bit faded now, um, some of them are getting a little bit frayed now. But there's a big refurbishment going on in some of these uh, brilliant textiles. Um, Pastor James, a couple of weeks ago, Uh, mentioned prophetically that there's a lot of prophetic strands that are taking place. And it's like the Lord by the Holy Spirit is actually integrating and weaving and repositioning those strands. So the next couple of times while I get a chance to preach, um, I'm going to try and talk about some of those prophetic strands and um, bring some of these things back to mind because it's so easy to rush on to the next thing. And we miss some of the significance of what the Holy Spirit's actually talking to us about. So I really want to start to unpack a little bit about um, the conduits of God because each of us in this room and listening online can be and are conduits for God. We're conduits for His grace and His goodness and His mercy and His love. We're conduits of the Holy Spirit. But the question is, how do we maximize that capacity within our life? Um, One of the threads, one of the... uh, strands coming through has been recalibration. That's been a word for this year. Last year with the COVID, it was more of a reset, but this year it's been more of a shift into recalibration. Um, There's a re-tweaking going on, and there's like an urgency in, in the world, there's an urgency in the church where there's things that have been in place that are no longer acceptable. Things have to be brought back to where they should be. There's a realigning taking place. And so as dispensers of God, Let's do it well. And we have to be conduits for the Spirit to flow in and through us. But what are we dispensing? So if we listen to that word that Pastor Viv talked about this morning about wine, um, having the dregs in the bottom. You know, we can't afford to give dregs to people. We've got to give them the very, very best. And there's a lot of stuff sitting in our life that needs to be flushed out, needs to be filtered out, needed to be dispensed with so we can be effective dispensers of, the, of what God has put into our life. And I'm sensing that God wants to pour more and more into us, so we can pour more and more through us. And so we just have to be available for it. We have to be positioning ourselves intentionally for this. Because I, I appreciate everything the Holy Spirit's done in the church. I got saved in the charismatic renewal, but it's been like a me, me, me. It's not been an outward flow. And we've got all the fuzzies-wuzzies and all the flaky-wakey and all that sort of stuff going on, and it's good. You can appreciate most of it, I think. But thing is, you know, we're supposed to be, and yeah, we can enjoy the Holy Spirit, but we've got to be employed by the Holy Spirit. And we need to pick up the responsibility that God is giving to us as a church. What is a conduit? There's the next slide. Actually, go back to the other one. I'll just hang on that for a while. Go back, if you could, to Ami. See, on the bottom corner here, there's a fibre-optic um, sheath coming through. Like, my background's medical, and we used to sell a lot of fibre-optic fiber instrumentation uh, for looking at eyes and looking at ears and up noses and other orifices, which we won't go to. But th- <laughs> the thing is, you had to have lights to examine situations, and these fibre-optic bundles literally took that light around corners and to places which are very difficult to get to. And so... These were conduits of light getting into difficult situations. And I just sense that the church has been repositioned fibre-optically to get into places where the light hasn't got to, to before. And so now you can go on to the next slide, Ami. The thing is, a conduit, what is a conduit? You know, well, a, a dictionary definition is a vessel, a pipe, or a channel which water or electrical current can go through, uh, conveying a substance. A conduit also is a person linking two people together. So so this week, uh, obviously a team down in South Island, Pastor Viv and James were down there. They were conduits. They were people conveying something to other people. They were the channel where God was doing something in and through. And so it's not just um, what we say, what we do. We are intentionally positioning ourselves to convey something. It's um, part of who we are. And so I believe that... As a church, we can start to saturate our community. Really interesting. We had a prayer meeting, I think, last month, and the prophetic flow was spring up, oh well. And this morning, a grey-haired gentleman was standing here prophesying about spring up, oh well. And there was a passion, there was a pleading, spring up, oh well. And I can just sense that the well of God wants to just rise up, not just pickle up, pickle, uh, percolate up like a um, like an artesian well. It wants to be like a geyser that can saturate our city. And I can just imagine this geyser um, just bursting forth in places like Manurewa, South Auckland. You know, we've got people from Manurewa coming to this church. You know, up in Orewa, Silverdale. Geysers bursting forth, you know. Huia, North Shore where we live, even, believe it or not, in places like Huapai. You know, we could see the move of God burst forth, in a phenomenal way and not just limiting God you know we've had all these volcanic eruptions historically through our city you know obviously Rangitoto was the latest one it was the biggest one well they don't know where the next volcanic eruption is going to be but in the church you know let's expect God to rise up and just do something fresh and powerful in a whole new way um the thing is with these threads that are going on we, we move on really quickly um just cast yourself back to last month. Um, Pastor Viv, she celebrated a 60-year um, birthday, milestone. Pastor James was thinking, oh, 60 years, am I looking forward to that? Or, I, oh, I'm ter- oh, I don't know. The, the jury's still out on that one, and I think it was the next day or the next week, Pastor James comes and he talks about James and Viv having water work problems in their house. Can you remember that? You know, so it's a bit. The moral of the story isn't basically, are you 60 and having water work problems in your house anymore? The moral of the story was, if you can remember. I'm not prophesying anything, guys. I'm just sort of calling it for what it is. But the thing is, James and Viv had got this water tank. The water supply was not getting into the house for some reason. You know, the logic just wasn't. You know, sort of conveying what, what the problem was. But there was a little hole in one of the pipes that stopped the vacuum and the flow happening. And it took a bit of time to actually suss it out, but once the little hole was plugged, that's when the flow started to happen again. And I think prophetically, the Holy Spirit's starting to discern with some of those little pinholes and those, those, little, those little ones that are just stopping the flow of God to gush through your life to start to flush again and flow again as part of what's going on. I had a car once that was having problems starting all the time. The simple thing was the battery was connected to the terminal, but the terminal was loose. And we, we thought we got in the car and we tried to start it, nothing would happen because the connection was loose. And it's just like the pipe in uh, James and Viv's place, loose connection, no flow, no power, no energy. And I just sense by the Holy Spirit, there's a sense of um, tightening up the screws, making sure the connection is tight. And so the flow can actually um, burst forth powerfully and with purpose. It's really um, part of this recalibration, this resetting, this tweaking that's going on. Um, thing is, Viv talked about this. I come back to, to Viv because of this, this wine situation going on. You know, she talked about this contaminants in the water, in uh, and, and, and the wine. And um, there was a problem, but it had to be resolved. Someone had to step into that. Um, in our house a couple of years ago, we could walk through the laundry and we could start to smell this aroma that wasn't, particularly nice, you know, it wasn't dead socks or undies or anything, it was something, something else, and we didn't know what it was, and then Chris said, it's down the sinkhole, and you know, I don't know what was down the sinkhole, with, I don't, we, don't, we won't go there, but I had to go and get one of these things, you know, and so we literally had to get a suction to create a flow again to organise the rubbish that was building up in the pipe, you know, we know pipes start to to um, get uh, debris in the bottom, you know, silt, mud, then that mud builds up more and more and more, and you have a problem. And the thing is, there had to be an action to create the flow again. And I think prophetically this morning, part of this recalibration that's going on is where the Holy Spirit's wanting to do this in our lives, and our ministry. Turn to the person next to you and... Say this, you need a, <laughs> not a, <laughs> 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 uh, uh. we need a little bit of this, you know. It's, it's seriously, the Holy Spirit is uh, doing some phenomenal things in the church. We, we sense it, we appreciate it, we know it, but it's like the, there's something stirring up again because we have to be the church and not, not, m- not muck around anymore. You know, we also had a problem um, in our, um, the conduit of our um, stormwater, basically, what it was. What had actually happened, all the silt had started to build up in our, um, our piping underground, which we couldn't see, and then there was a big tree next door that started to grow its roots through the pipe, and it started to enmesh itself in the, um, the mud in the pipe. And after a few years, it got worse and worse and worse, so the flow got less and less and less. And then all of a sudden got totally blocked and I got out with a spade one day and I'm trying to find out where this pipeline went and I found out, because I had to break the pipe, there was this massive great, um, it was a sewer pipe and it was about that round um, and it was just jam-packed with fibrous root, it was like having a panga right up the, the, uh, the, the piping cavity. And so I couldn't pull it out. It was too hard. It was enmeshed with a pipe. So what I ended up doing was backing the car out of the garage, backing it into the, into the, um, to the garden. I put a rope around it and basically sucked, it, sucked the sucker out. And this thing was about um, six meters long, but it actually had built up. It had to be dispensed with. And I just sensed by the, by the spirit this morning, there's a repositioning, a recalibration, a sorting out of some of the stuff in our life that needs to be addressed. You know, Peter, Apostle Peter, amazing guy, situation, obviously, acts had taken place, the Holy Spirit had um, filled these believers that were waiting upon God, and all of a sudden, he's out in real world. He's in the streets, and he sees this beggar asking him for money. And so Peter's obviously hanging out with Jesus for many years. This beggar was there. I don't know if they'd seen him before, but his day had come, you know, I always think, why had this beggar not been healed by Jesus? Why? And, but this beggar's day had actually come. And so this guy, Peter, he goes out there and he's hearing this call, can I have something from you? And I want some money. And Peter, being a pastor, said, I ain't got no money. You know, I haven't got money in my pockets. I've got nothing here. Silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. He was a conduit from heaven to a needy person. We don't know who we're going to see outside this church or on the temple steps at all. But we just have to position ourselves to be able to speak blessing, to be a conduit to those people. I had the honor. It was a real honor yesterday. I met a lady in a wheelchair, and um, she was looking really uh, dejected and down and, and sad. And I went up to her and said, do you mind if I pray for you? And she said, oh, please. And so I started to pray for her, and, and there was an impartation I can sense as a conduit, God was flowing in and and through me to this lady. And after a couple of minutes of prayer, I I opened my eyes and I uh, stood up again. And she was smiling. She was radiating. There was something that had actually transformed because of the ability to engage myself with those situations. We don't know who we're going to meet on a daily basis. This week, next week, um, there might be multiple people, but we have to be nimble and flexible to be able to address those situations. Conduits can happen in many forms. Um, it could be generosity. Peter was asked for money, but when was it last you were called or asked to give money to someone with a real need? You know, we're wealthy in our country. I'm getting many requests every week from people overseas for money, but thing is, we need to be sensitive to engage with those people. We have to be generous. The Word of God, we have to give away the Word of God to people in um, situations. Maybe not quote it in old English, uh, you know, Shakespearean English or anything like that, but contextualize it for where, the people for where they're at. To be able to situation, uh, to position ourselves in situations where people are sick, where they're hurting, where they need the love of God, where they need a blessing. You know, Richard with his book, you know, he's creative, to be able to impart blessing. Uh, how do we do that we've got to be creative to be able to express mercy to people we can be this conduit from um, heaven to earth to these people around us intercession and prayer is part of a conduit which i believe god is actually starting to open up a tap in the church you know it's it's been flowing but i think the lord wants to be able to open up the tap so the flow grows uh, uh, flows more intentionally and I just don't think it's a small tap. I think it's a floodgate, a, a, what do you call it? a floodgate valve or something like that, to happen on an unprecedented um, level. Important. One of the scriptures that the church has been getting repeatedly over the last six months is basically He who believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Yeah. Interesting. It doesn't say out of your head, <laughs> not that way, not out of your mouth. You know, who wants projectile stuff out of their mouth? No one. But it's out of the bellies. Um, Prophetically this morning, we heard about out of the soul, out of the emotions, out of the innermost being. That's where compassion is. That's where you can relate to hurting and needy people. And that's when miracles will start to take place. Out of your emotions. So God, I think, in this... um, transitioning time we find the church in, is going to stir your emotions. And where there's been no empathy, there's going to be empathy. There's going to be compassion. We just have to be nimble. We have to be real. Be sensitive. Whoever drinks from this water of life shall never thirst again. That's great. It's for us. But the thing is, if we're bottling up this goodness from heaven, what are we going to do with it? We can't be on the shelf anymore. We have to be dispensers of God's goodness and grace to a thirsty and needy world around us, you know. None of these bottles have actually got expiry dates on. We just have to get it out and give it away. We've got to be creative in this. Interesting thing is, water, we can't live without it. Everyone on this planet needs water. And as we read God's word, to survive, we've actually got to have four things. Water, air, food, and light. This is science, but it's basically biology, third form science here. But Jesus said, I am the living water. We can't live without water. Jesus also said, I am the breath of life. We need air to live. Jesus also said this, I'm the bread of life. We've just had communion this morning. We got to have food to survive. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Well, we are conduits of of those four elements to give to our world around us. This isn't rocket science. It's just plain science. It's common sense, you know. Science is only catching up with some of these things. But the thing is, if we're going to be conduits, are we going to have a flow coming out of our life? Say to the person next to you, are you a drip? Well, not hearing much this morning. Are you a drip? Mm -hmm. No confessions this morning. But I think... Seriously, I think that the drips that are happening are going to start to happen with greater dripping. There's going to be a greater flow. There's going to be a greater current. There's going to be a stream of stuff starting to come through us. There's going to be something that's going to just flow and, and, and move on. And I just start to think, if we've got a flow, what could it actually look like? Yeah. Who's, who's been to Hooker Falls? I think we've all been to Hooker Falls. This mighty current is just gushing out of Taupo. <laughs> it's powerful, it's, it's majestic, it's awe-inspiring. But can you just imagine the power and the force of God's church being a conduit to take heaven's water flow to the world around us? And I just really think, you know, the Lord is saying, I don't want drips anymore. You know, we got to get real. We got to get sensible. One of the prophetic threads on this tapestry has been the story of the Good Samaritan. We all know the situation. I'm not going to read it for the sake of time. But the thing is, this Samaritan, he wasn't a religious dude. He hadn't been to Bible college. He was just a normal person connecting with God, but also seeing the needs around him. And where people had bypassed a real situation, this guy was the only one that actually embraced that situation. And then something happened. Yeah, it cost him money. It cost this guy time to get involved. It was messy. It wasn't nice. It was probably a bit spelly, but this guy was there getting involved. We need to be a church like the Good Samaritan, where we engage with the ugliness of the things around us. You know, The, the food bank is a classic example. As a church, we can be like the Samaritan person as a conduit, providing food and nourishment physically to people, but also spiritually. You know, I just like, love one of the, uh, the throwaway lines that James mentioned one day. He said, we need to get our people not just delivering stuff to the door of a house, but we need to get into the hearts and the life of these people. Can we pray a blessing on the people? Very seldom do people not want to receive a, a blessing on their life. You know, we just have to be courageous to be able to open up some conversations kicking on. 30 years ago, Chris and I, we moved to Australia and I've told some of the story before, but miraculously, we were given a house in Sydney, and there were only on the north shore of Sydney, and there were only two houses available for rent over a six-month period. And uh, we was, were so um, frustrated, downcast, miffed a little bit because we turned up in Australia with um, a seven-month pregnant woman, which is hormones are going everywhere. It's pretty hard to gauge what that's like. We had one young daughter, aged about three, three and a half. No, one. one, The other one got born there. And then um, we also had a porticot and we had two suitcases. And we turn up. And then our freight forwarder said it's going to be six weeks before your container gets from the wharf of Auckland through Sydney to your new address. And it's like, oh, great. Porticot, pregnant wife, hormones, all these things going on. How are we going to survive? Two suitcases. It's not going to be easy. And so. But the Lord sovereignly, he told us to go back to this this, uh, real estate person in Belrose in in French's Forest there, went in, and the phone went while we were standing there, and this person said, you wouldn't believe it, come with me, first listing in months. So we went literally 200 yards down the road. Um, This this amazing street was flat, and it had all these um, maples and oaks, and all the leaves were falling off the tree, and it was so majestic. We drove into this big driveway, and um, this house was just perfect, you know, uh, it was brilliant. And it's like, good, now six months before our container gets. This is going to be a real pain. Our neighbour, what had actually happened, um, they'd bought this brand new fridge, like it was a big one, and it had been delivered, and then they were actually wheeling the old one out, and they saw us there, and they said, would you like to use a new fridge, uh, an old fridge? And we were going, yes. So they didn't even stop, they kept on wheeling it into our driveway, up our, and into our kitchen, they plugged it in, and it's like, oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> you know, and then She said, we know you're new. When is your container arriving? We said, six weeks' time. And they said, we go camping all the time. Would you like to borrow our camping um, uh, bits and pieces, so tables and chairs and all that sort of stuff, knives and forks? And we said, please. And so that was the next relay of stuff coming into the house. So the reality is we camped in this house for six weeks with their camping gear and stuff, but God provided a way. And as I thought about it, these guys were like the Samaritans. Brilliant people caring for practical situations and real needs. What we also discovered they went to a church down the road. It was a church of England. And it was more Pentecostal than any Pentecostal churches I've ever been to before. And bear in mind we'd been in um we'd actually been in Queen Street uh, Assembly of God. We were part of the foundation team getting Auckland City Elam going. It was powerful, it was pumping in, in, in Auckland here, but it was more real in Australia because these people actually cared. Long story short, Samaritans. But we can do that sort of stuff. It's, it's simple. It's not rocket scientist uh, stuff. We have to be cross-culturally sensitive. You know, This is Luke 4, and I'm just rattling on real quick here. Luke 4, it says this. In Elijah's time, when the heavens were closed for three years, three and a half years, there was a severe famine that devastated the land. Yet Elijah wasn't sent to any of them. He was sent... Uh, and said to a foreigner, a widow in Zephyr, in the land of Sidon. That's like miles away. So up there, right up the coast, miles away from where he was staying, he had to go there. Where is God going to send you? You know, it might be over the back fence. It might be across the road. It might be to another office member down the corridor. Where's God going to send you? We just have to be sensitive to the direction. And when you go there, something's likely to happen. So in Elijah's case, This person got a miracle, or multiple miracles, because she got fed for three and a half years. And then her son died, and he got raised to life again, so there was another miracle. Stuff started to happen. And then Luke's reading straight straight on from this, in Luke 4, verse 26, it said, And many people in Israel had leprosy at that time of Elijah. But there was only one healed, and that was Nathan, a Samarian. Uh, uh, Sorry, a Syrian. A Syrian. Go figure. Yeah, why weren't the Israeli people getting healed? Why was it a foreigner? You know, Elijah was a conduit from heaven. He gave instructions. I'll oh, go down to that river, wash yourself seven times, and you get healed. There was a clear instruction, but there was a link in the chain where there was this young girl. He said, "Oh, you've got a problem, but if you go there, you know that could get sorted out. You know, we can point the way to church to people. Come there. You got problems. We can pray for people. You know." We just have to be creative and we have to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. We can all be conduits. When I was sharing last time um, here, it was actually online because of COVID, I introduced a number of missionaries that came to New Zealand. One of my heroes is a guy called James Buller. He was the first Wesleyan missionary to come to New Zealand. And God sent him to a weird and wonderful place. I can't even pronounce it. Uh, Go back one if you could, uh, Ami. Next slide there. Uh, Halfway between Dargaville and Whangarei on that windy road, There's a little place. God sent this man to this location. It was a weird place. But the place was actually the primary uh, marae or par of a paramount chief. So he went there, he settled there. And he started to dispense the word of God. He started to uh, give his life away to people. People were sick. He got out his first aid kit and he started to uh, give medication to people. Um, he started to train people in in in, um, in in English. He started to do all sorts of things. He started Bible college. Uh, Bible not What well, he started Bible colleges later on. He started Bible classes, all that sort of stuff. He started to plant churches. He was practical, teaching people how to farm, sow wheat, sow grass, that sort of stuff. But. People loved him because he cared for people. They respected his um, religion because he embraced them for who they were. It wasn't so much what he taught as what they caught from him. And then they wanted to become Christians because they could see a transformed life. Amazing situation. But the thing is, God will often send us to really illogical locations. Now, it's it's a logical thing to go to Huapai because Auckland's expanding there for a church plant. But sometimes it's not logical to go to different locations. But we just have to listen clearly to the directives to go somewhere and do something. And that's when miracles will always take place. You know, one of these young guys that the, this guy was mentoring was another a missionary called uh, Reverend William uh, Ghetto, uh, this guy here. And he, he just loved people. He learned Maori really quickly, and he wasn't, wasn't uh, able to stay in one location. He had this little rowboat, and he actually rowed all the way through the Kaipara sharing his faith with all the Maori people. The problem was the Maoris would never stay in one location because they'd be in one place for a, a season, all the, growing all the kumara and stuff. Then all of a sudden, they're down the, down the river looking for uh, pippies. Then all of a sudden, they're going somewhere else looking for fish. And then they were moving around all the time. And so this guy was moving around in his little rowboat, but he was sharing his faith, loving on people, caring for people, but a conduit from heaven to these needy people. But he was a man of peace. And these uh, Maori chiefs, they actually caught hold of something that changed their life and their lifestyle. And Christianity started to come into Northland. And at this time, we had Hongi Heki stirring up people saying, uh, we we are not really accepting what the the Europeans are wanting to do in our country. Let's protest. Let's rebel. And so these chiefs were standing up and saying, no, what these men are bringing is the word of God. You have to respect that. You know that already. You have to respect that over the Bombay Hills and the Waikato, the Maoris were getting stirred up there in Rotorua and everything, bringing contention, and they were wanting to actually unite with the northern tribes to create, obviously, a stronger party to bring more unrest. These men got up and said, no, you're not to do that. And they, became, they drew a line on the sand, and it was like peace from heaven became the, the blocking force. The gospel started to get in because these men were peace. They even said, because they wanted to kill this guy, William Geto off, and the married chief said, we will die before this man dies. We will lay our life down before this man dies. When did you ever say that to anyone? I'll die before you. Putting your life on the line. Our Lord put his life on the line for us. Sometimes the sacrifice has to be more than just, you know, Words. It has to be more of action. And I think part of this recalibration is the fact that we have to listen, respond, and give our life away where it's going to cost. But it's part of positioning for the future. Yes, the Holy Spirit's doing some incredible things, um, but let's listen, catch the flow of the Holy Spirit. Let's not miss the opportunity. Pastor James had a problem with the water supply. The connection had to be sealed. That's great. But as I thought about that sermon, and it was a brilliant sermon, you may want to go back and listen to it, I realized. Very much like our situation at home, James and Viv had got this water tank. I hated drinking chlorinated water, so I went and bought a 2,000-litre tank so I didn't actually get chlorinated water from the city council. I can actually have clean water. But after a while, this clean water got a little bit... It had a different flavour. And I realised that with stuff coming off the roof, from, I don't know what it was birds or what the story was or foliage, but the water started to to, to change its pristineness and so Chris was saying tea doesn't taste quite like tea anymore so I had to go out and buy a water filter you know and so that water filter solved a lot of problems you know because it actually got rid of the gunk in the system and if you got up onto the water tank and actually looked through the manhole it's actually probably a boy hole because it's a bit small it was not a manhole but it was there you could look down with a torch and you could see these little things swimming Somehow these bugs got into the water, but but <laughs> extra body for Chris, she doesn't, she doesn't, know, she doesn't know what I saw. <laughs> I did clean the tank out, by the way, but the thing is, these things were swimming around and we had to get rid of them, and I just sensed in our ministry, in our life, there's still little things that are swimming around that the Holy Spirit this morning wants to get rid of. It might be a little sin, a thought, a judgmental attitude that we're carrying, uh, you know, like Viv was saying, hey, I'm okay, I'm cool. There's nothing wrong with me. And the Holy Spirit's saying, yeah, right. You know, And all of a sudden, we're getting the nudge of the Holy Spirit. You know, We had to have a water filter put in. Our car, every 10,000 k's, we put a new oil filter in because it's working fine, but we want to protect the engine. We want to make sure what's going through the uh, car is pure. So we have to put in a fresh oil filter. The Holy Spirit comes through these contaminated vessels Go figure. But the thing is, we have to have purity in our life. And I just sense again by the Holy Spirit, he needs to change the oil filter within our life. We've also got air filters in our car. We've also got them on our lawnmowers, if you mow lawns these days. And the thing is, those air filters have to get sorted out as well. And I just sense the Holy Spirit is saying, come on, church, let's get back to where we need to be. Really interesting. And I was thrilled to hear what happened on Tuesday night. James was saying, hey, I can't do this by myself you know, let's stand in the gap, pray warriors. And we all got up and we prayed different ways and different forms, and we heard the report. Um, all sorts of exciting things were happening. But just as we close this morning, there's two things. And I don't know if everyone in this auditorium this morning is saved. You know, we have to have four things to survive. We need water, we need air, we need light, we need food. You need Jesus in your life. You might live physically and things are strained and tough and obviously online as well. You need stuff to survive in this physical world. But this physical world is going to be limited. We've got eternal things to look forward to. Our bodies will decay and die, but our spirit lives on. We've got eternity ahead of us. And we've got to align ourselves with the spirit of God to survive through that. You need Jesus in your life for eternity. You know, you've got your soul and your spirit all caught up in that. Our bodies will disappear at some stage. But we're looking at eternal consequences and decisions for the future. So at the end of this morning, I'm going to give you a chance to be able to respond to that. And we just simply love to pray um, that you would actually commit your heart and your life and your lifestyle to the Lord. Because that's what it's all about. That's what church is for on this planet. And I just sense that, actually, before I move on, let's just pause and it's a simple thing. You know already this morning, online as well, you know if you're connected with God properly. Your salvation is secure. If you were to die, that you would be securely in the heart, hand and heart of Jesus. But if you're not feeling confident about that, you realize that if you were to stop breathing for whatever reason, you were to die. you go into an eternity separated from Jesus wrong consequences. You need to have your life recalibrated to stand with Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords, the Son of God, the Redeemer of your soul, which we um, celebrated in communion this morning. You know, a simple prayer will change all that. And all you've got to say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I've messed up. I want to come into a relationship with you. Will you forgive me? Will you accept me so I can follow hard after you? And that's all it is. It's it's simple. It's not rocket science. It's very clear. And I'm going to hand on to Pastor James very quickly because I just sense the Holy Spirit's wanting to do a number of things here. You need the filter changed just to make sure those creepy crawlies are no longer creepy crawling in your life because this church is about changing the world, changing our community. And we want to see the purity, the love of Jesus Christ transforming our society this transformation dynamic, this recalibration is about holiness, purity, sincerity. So I'm going to just tag into Pastor James now and